0: So hey, everybody on YouTube, we're just showing up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh! And we're on wow. Facebook now. Ah,
0: we're
2: everywhere. All right.
1: Oh, we are just lost without Logan. Holy yep. cow! Oh my so, god!
2: F- need you, Logan? Who- we got a couple boomers trying to work streaming <laughs> here.
1: <laughs> I am too young to be a boomer.
2: I'm <laughs> a boomer. I'm joking. I know Gen Xers <laughs> take offense to that. So. Just oh, to catch God.
0: everyone up for the past 10 minutes or so, we've been talking amongst ourselves thinking that we were live. Uh, we did actually run all of the the things, uh, but uh, now we're here because normally Logan does these things. And Logan is uh, preoccupied today with fixing a leak in his roof. And so... Um, so without Logan, we, we've that. we've we've managed to capture the very precious time of, of Matt Cully uh, <laughs> to join us as a special guest. And, and during
2: those 10 minutes, we actually laid out exactly how to save vaping. But I just don't <laughs> no one heard it. I feel like the, the moment is lost. So
1: and no, I forgot yeah. what you said. So yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> it's just a once and done. Oh thing. my
1: god, I can't yeah, we hit uh, we hit the play the so we so nobody saw like the beginning intro or anything
0: nope
1: oh my lord and i feel like an idiot
0: that's <laughs> okay we've got the other bumpers to play throughout the show and um and yeah i we don't I, we don't have to rehash the hey how are you is,
2: yeah i mean um, five minutes of it was just talking about weather so yeah, <laughs> yeah we're
0: good. y'all didn't miss much
2: um oh my
1: lord that was just okay
0: so um, we hit
1: intro, but we forgot to hit start broadcast. So it oh my god, so embarrassing. Yeah.
0: Well, now that we're here, uh, I guess it is probably time. Are you ready to run the bumper?
1: I, I'm hovered over it right now. <laughs>
0: okay, we'll we'll do the legislative rundown. The
1: legislative rundown.
0: Just, from, just the one time.
1: <laughs>
2: this Man, is going to just be lost.
1: This is going to be a comedy of errors. That's all I can say right now.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll get right into it. Um, Of course, the the top priority item here is to uh, stop this excise tax on safer nicotine products. Uh, We've, of course, brought this up, I think at least two two to three weeks in a row here. Um, So if you haven't heard about this, there are lots, lots of articles out there covering this, um, certainly from both sides promoting and opposing it. Um, but this is a massive tax on all tobacco products, doubling the cigarette tax, um, something like a 2000% increase on smokeless um, and nicotine pouches are getting uh, getting an extra tax here. <clears throat> um, all of this, of course, to bring all tobacco products up to the same level as cigarettes, um, which is not consistent with recommendations we've seen from other countries uh, about how uh, these products should be regulated. And of course, CASA's position on all of this is that regulation should be proportional to risk. Um, and of course this massive hike in federal excise taxes does not achieve that. Um, so anyway, go to CASA.org click on the get involved And here, I'll just walk you through it um, just to make sure. Oh, wait, there we go. Um, Get involved nationally. Scroll down and there you'll have it. Stop the federal excise tax. Um, The other thing that uh, I wanted to note here, I have no other active calls to action at this moment, um, but we are getting closer to things like Michigan and Denver, Colorado. Um, so be on the lookout if you are in Denver or in Michigan, um, uh, be on the lookout this week. Uh, I'm anticipating releasing our alert for that. Um, uh, both of those are flavor ban related. Uh, I will say, um, it, it's, I, I'm, it, I, I'm trying to not just rehash all of the points that we make and our, our, the, the calls to action that we've been putting out over the years for flavor bans. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than it has been, uh, you know, in the wake of FDA, not really doing their job. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, that was, that was a, a, a bit of leverage for us was to be able to tell, uh, council members, state lawmakers, you know, look, FDA was granted the authority to regulate these products. They've indicated they may be authorizing flavored products. Um, let's, you know, let's let this system, no matter ho- how horrible it is, run its course and then start having these conversations about flavors at the state and local level. Um, that that has obviously changed with all of the um, uh, marketing denial orders that have gone out. And a lot of these manufacturers stating that uh, it feels a lot like a blanket ban on flavors. Uh, and and I think we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. So um, all of that to say. Mm-hmm uh that is a that is my pretty much abbreviated legislative rundown
1: that was a very abbreviated (laughs) and sometimes i wonder if it's a good thing or a bad thing you know it's like all these states are kind of holding back for the most part to see what happens federally and
0: well it it is september so most states are out of session uh there's a handful that are sort of year-round um new jersey is one of them um i want to say I think Pennsylvania is also pretty close to year. There's like a half a dozen states that are sort of year round. It seems kind of rare that we would see introduction of new legislation at this point. Um, Sometimes weird things pop up in special session. Um, But for the most part, this isn't the time of year we would expect to see a lot of things introduced. Um, There are states that do pre-filing. So in December, uh, we may December into January, we may see the states that allow pre-filing pre-filing flavor ban bills. Uh, And also, you know, in that vein, uh, we do expect to see a lot of states um, cracking down on synthetic nicotine. Uh, There's a handful that already have some some reference to synthetic nicotine in their statutes somewhere. Um, So, uh, yeah, uh, I think we talked about this last week or even the week before. um, Synthetic is sort of a temporary. It's not even a fix. It's just sort of a workaround. Um, Well, then
2: you have Montana, which doesn't meet again until 2023. So if you want to vape for the next year and a half and have nobody mess with you, just move on up here. (laughs) Move to Montana. (laughs) There
1: you go. All right. Well, thanks, Alex. So we're ready for uh, for our takes? Take three? That one worked. See, I'm used to doing, usually Logan does those, and I'm used to doing the overlays, which if you don't shut them off and hit hide, they keep playing over and over. So I was hitting hide on that, and then it actually started playing it again on that first one. Oh.
2: Good, good job, Kristen.
1: By the time we're done, we'll uh, have it all figured out. Yep. <laughs> and then thankfully, Logan will be back
2: someday. <laughs> oh, Lord.
0: So, um, getting right to... I guess I'll go first. Is that what we decided in the pre-show?
2: Yeah.
0: We drew straws. See,
1: Logan's not here, and Logan, if you're watching, we figured it out ahead of time for once. It's <laughs>
0: just the one time. <laughs>
2: the one time. With the
0: special guest yes. that we figured it out. His
2: roof didn't really break. He just wanted to watch us all yeah. fly and burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
0: So, for my take this week, um, I, I'm I'm picking up on a few things that uh jacob solemn has mentioned in his article let me get back to the blog here so we've got the visual reference um there we go um bureaucrats and politicians seem determined to cripple a life-saving alternative to smoking um here we go uh this is originally posted on reason.com uh, and of course, uh, this is really uh, it, it's it's kind of an overview of how we got to where we are. It's its a very brief um, kind of history of um, what the FDA is doing now, which is, you know, I think many of many of the people who regularly tune into this are probably pretty aware of that. Um, sorry that you're all having to watch this advertising embedded in, in the article. But um, so it's it's. It's, it's sort of chronicling what's going on and where we are, um, but a couple of things that um, jumped out at me, and, and I think, you know, maybe maybe we're not talking enough about this. Maybe it's only us that are talking about this, um, but it's, it is this appropriate for the protection health standard, uh, appropriate for the protection of public health. Uh, and the quote here is under that highly subjective standard appropriate for the protection of public health which is mandated by the Family Smoking and Tobacco Control Act of 2009. It is not enough for a manufacturer to show its products are far less hazardous than conventional cigarettes. What kind of, you know, sent me off on my my tiny rabbit hole here was this subjective standard, um, which to me doesn't really feel like a standard. A standard, I I think, is, is supposed to be determined by, Things like weights and measures. Let's look at some real numbers and develop a standard here. When people in the vaping community talk about a standards-based regulatory system, we're talking about let's look at the liquids. Let's see what which ingredients are toxic or not toxic. Let's talk about thresholds. Let's talk about dosage, all of these things, and set some standards. <clears throat> now, even, even under that scenario, I think, um, you know, the from – federal regulator point of view they're trying to set standards that work for most people there's always going to be people who are just inadequately served by certain standards but that's a lot better than what we have now which is this subjective standard of appropriate for the protection of public health which is i think to the public is sort of loosely defined as the benefit for adults who smoke has to outweigh the risk to kids who might pick up nicotine, um, and of course, in you know fighting against vaping, fighting against having a, a fair regulatory system for vaping, we have all been focused on this youth crisis, um, and. this is, I'm, I'm coloring outside the lines of Jacob's article. Like I said, this is kind of an historical overview of what's been going on. Um, but the thing that jumped out at me was, you know, that thing where you buy a car and then you start to see your car everywhere. All of a sudden everyone's driving the same car. Um, so this is a real phenomenon and I, I read a couple of articles about it just quickly. I'm by no means an expert on this, but, um, the thing that came up was the invisible gorilla test, and I I, I, did, I don't know if we we didn't work it into the title, but I thought like the invisible smoker test would be um, probably a good uh, good title for this. In that, in this experiment, what they did was they 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 show study participants a video, and so they line the the video has a group of people, it's like a half a dozen people, and a few of them are wearing black t-shirts and a few of them are wearing white t-shirts, and they're passing a basketball amongst themselves and the instructions to the person watching the video are pay attention to the people who are passing the basketball and throughout the video at some point there's a person in a gorilla costume that kind of pops in and out of the frame or walks across the stage behind them and at the end the participants are asked did you see the gorilla and most if not all people didn't see the gorilla they were paying attention to the people passing the basketball and so I think that's a lot. What's been going on here, when of course the public is being told, keep your eye on the the youth vaping crisis, and even among kids, and and Kristen and Matt, maybe you guys can can talk about this a little bit with your experience as parents. um, You know, it's I think when you ask a kid what's going on in school, what we hear the the anecdotes that we hear from from teenagers is, well, everybody's doing it, and and this is, you know, when kids are, are put to the question, you know, put the question of how many kids on, you know, on a percentage basis, how many kids are vaping in your school? They all say like 60, 70, 80%. They, they, they seem to think it's everybody. Um, so, you know, the point being that these aren't reliable accounts. And I think most people in, you know, the news consuming, the propaganda consuming public, um, should I, I don't want to 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 uh, make people feel uncomfortable about this, but to some extent, we can't even be confident that that we're seeing the picture. That not it doesn't, it doesn't matter that that you know we can separate propaganda from, from actual science, but it's that you know we have this um, I, th- I think it's a, it's confirmation bias. It has something to do with this. Uh, and so a lot of people out there are going to have a difficult time wrapping their heads around that, you know, really we're only talking about what four to 5% of, of teenagers who are vaping regularly. And out of that, it's like 1% of kids who never who don't check any of the risk boxes. Um, you know, they're, they're the, the never nicotine folks um, are, is actually incredibly low. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, that was just one thing that I picked up on and figured I'd offer it for my take. And, and I don't know if, if you guys wanted to jump in with
2: your own experiences here. Yeah. I mean, I think it doesn't, it, it also doesn't help that the visibility of smokers is less and less throughout the years because of different laws. You know, you see less, you know, even if at a bar, the smokers have to be 20, 30 feet away from the front door. So you just see it, you know, what is there still 14, 15% uh smokers in this country but every time i see that that Mm -hmm. that data i'm like god you know that's higher than you would even think because you barely see people smoking anymore and and people are so embarrassed about their smoking habits that they're they're being a lot more discreet um even when you know the laws don't tell them they have to be so that that that's part of it but and then we have you know vaping epidemic thrown thrown in our face you know on the media every day so obviously the general public is going to think one issue is is much larger than the other
1: yeah and, and well interestingly you say you don't see it anymore well i live in a small rural town and i see it everywhere
2: it, it's a whole different smoking cigarettes you do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah, i mean i live in a small rural, rural town too i mean i guess i'm kind of a homebody, but it just doesn't seem like you see it as much as true. as you well, used to see it,
1: you know yeah it it I mean, when, when I w- when I go to say a larger town like say Milwaukee or Madison or Green Bay, I'm in Wisconsin. Can you tell? Um, <laughs> I I don't see it at all. I mean, it's it's much less, and and I think unfortunately, again, sort of that invisible gorilla thing is people who live in large towns and don't see it all think well, you know, everybody's quit anyhow. And they have no idea what's going on not in their neighborhood. You know, if they're not a white suburban mom and, you know, who doesn't see people smoking outside the yoga studio, you know, it's, it's they just they have no clue that this is still happening and there's still plenty of adults who who need these products. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and they're not connected to the deaths like like you used to, you know. Right. Back in the day, I remember in the 90s, it's like everybody knew somebody that died from smoking. You know, my grandpa died from smoking, but that's like happening less and less in certain areas, you know, certain communities kind of have their own bubble. And in those, you know, bigger cities, the blue cities where it's they're kind of all in their own bubble. They don't even think about the fact that people are still dying or if they are, you know, they're just some rural local yokels and and you know we don't have to worry about them anyway it's or in a poor
1: neighborhood you know there's lots of communities who are still living with this every day and and they're just completely ignored because it's not a part of their life and then and we've brought this up before as soon as a you know a white teenager admits that they're vaping you know from a rich suburb all of a sudden it's an issue you know nobody cared that all these other people were dying from smoking but you know their kid. And, and, you know, it's, and we talked about this before I have teenagers, I've had teenagers, um, but I just had recently had one who, you know, she's, she's 20, she just turned 20, but I remember when she was in high school and for a teenager, everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody's doing it. You know, like yeah. I told Alex earlier, my teen told me that everybody in her class was bisexual. You know, So, I mean, um you know probably not (laughs) you know they say everybody's got this these designer jeans everybody's parents buys them a car you know i mean some of the stuff that you hear and so and i always i just i just laugh every time i see that in an article where they say you know oh i talked to my niece and she told me everybody's vaping in her school you know (laughs) and it's like well of course she's gonna say that you know and it is like what what you said that once you're looking for it, you see it, you know, and you see it everywhere and it seems like so much more than what it was, but you know, and, and, and because I do vape when I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to pick up my other daughter up at, at high school and I'll see kids walking to school and I see one or two occasionally who you can tell that something comes out and you can tell they're vaping, you know, they've got something in their hand, but the vast majority of them don't, you know, Um, but if you talk to the school, oh, it's probably this huge problem, (laughs) you know, although I have not seen that we've not gotten any notices coming home or anything like that. But again, the vast majority of these kids, their parents are smoking. They're not, they're not vaping, you know, so they're more likely to end up smoking themselves unless their parents, their parents switch. But the smoker, the people who smoke just ends up being, end up being pushed aside because they're so hyper-focused on, you know, like Alex said, on, on these kids,
2: and the, the vagueness of the appropriate for the protection of the public health statement really chaps my ass because how do you even weigh that? I mean, you're weighing smokers deaths next to quote unquote nicotine addiction, really, you know, de- nicotine dependence or habit, whatever you want to call it. I, but you're not even weighing the harm of what that dependence would be. be you, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they 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 just don't want any newer generations to become dependent on nicotine and so they they seem to be uh willing to throw away smokers lives just for that blank slate of you know some utopia that's nicotine free that's never actually going to happen
1: yeah yeah well as long as cigarettes exist that's the part that gets me it's like okay th- these companies cigarette companies don't aren't forced they don't they aren't under this This requirement to prove that new new they're not going to generate any new consumers, and so they can they can there's plenty of people you know under 18 who are starting smoking. I think we said the other day it was like 200 a day, become smokers. So, so they're not under any obligation to prove this yet. The vape companies have to prove that nobody's going to try. Nobody who doesn't smoke already and who is an adult is going to try their product or use their product and become dependent on that product. And the irony of is of it that is that it sh- they should be. That's exactly what the goal is. They they should be having people use their product instead of starting smoking. You know, there's teens. If 200 teens a day are st- are becoming daily smokers, that's they should be. You know. Do you see what I'm saying? That that's who, they should be stopping that. But instead they're saying, nope, let them become daily smokers. Let them smoke for five, six years until they're 21. And then they can have a tobacco flavored vapor product.
2: I mean, what does that make? Like you said, what really changed the game was when, you know, it became an issue with the upper class kids. And because that, you know, nicotine was kind of wiped out of that whole, you know, uh, group. And uh, now that there's some, you know, they're, they're taking it up that now, now it's a, it's a big problem. It's, it's a very racist and classist uh, view um, because I think there are, I think you know, a lot of the elitist types are okay with the, the, the poor and the minority smoking and stuff, as long as it's not in their own, uh, their, their own communities.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and to just to kind of cap things off um, a little bit here, uh, you know, you, I think you had mentioned about how we don't seem to talk about smoking as much anymore. And uh, I think it's, it's it, that's that's an observation I think folks in tobacco control have made uh, that, you know, we just don't see it like we used to. You don't walk into places and see people smoking. You can't smoke on transportation and this and that. And so a lot of people out there, I think, are a bit surprised to be hearing all this to, all this talk about tobacco. Uh, in, you know, the 2020s, um, because I, I think they, they kind of figured, well, it's it, that problem has been solved, depending on where you live. Um,
2: yeah.
0: But, you know, yeah, 15% of the population smoking is still, still quite an issue.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, that's still like, over 30 million people. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's and that's, and again, 200 a day more every day. And until you stop that to stop people, from, teens from vaping to focus solely on that is just, it's, it's just craziness, you know, And the, in the, there's that UK article too, where they were talking about how they look over at us in the US with our vaping epidemic. And like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know?
0: Well, this is, this is unintentionally a good segue to your take. So
1: <laughs> try, yeah. And, and I you. was kind of up in the air if I wanted to talk about that UK one, or if I wanted to talk about uh, Durbin and Chris, say it again, Chris, Krishna Morthy. Um, uh, and I think I'm going to go with them because they create, they are perpetuating this idea about this teen, um, epidemic, you know, and they intentionally misrepresent stuff. And I'm going to share my, my screen. Um, you know, and here, I don't know if I want to share that one. Do I want to share that one or the other one? Uh, let's do this one.
0: It was Durbin that actually put some numbers up, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Do I have the Durbin one up now? Yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, we called him out on that because he he purposely. Well, first of all, it, it's hysterical that he calls out PMI for you know hiding their deadly history and and causing kids to vape, and PMI doesn't even sell any vapes in the U.S. So there's that. Um, But what he says, you know, and they're talking about how they're trying to switch over to more uh, smoke-free alternatives and stuff. And he says, well, what this ad doesn't say is that 20% of uh, kids use e-cigs compared with only 4% of adults. Um, So don't be fooled, fooled. These products were developed for kids, marketed to kids and being used by kids. And you know, that, that, that is something that gives you that perception that way more kids use these things than adults, you know, 20% of high school students. And, and in your brain in most people's brain, when they, when they read that, they're just gonna see 20% of kids. That little high school is just this little HS there. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, you know, so he makes it sound like 20% of kids are just vaping away every day. They're regular vapors. Um, And, and we know that's not true. It's more like 4.8. 4% 4% are daily and that probably 80% of those, that 4.4% were already smoking. So, um, so he doesn't get into that. So get this, what this, you know, what, what does he not say, which is what we called him out on and said, well, what you're not saying is that 20% of high school kids equals about four to 4.5 million people, but that four or no, I'm sorry, three, what was it? Three. Uh, no, I gotta find it. No, um, you
0: did the numbers on this one.
1: <laughs> hold on, I gotta find it on my thing. Um,
0: I mean, it's not a small number. I, I want to make it clear that we're not trying to downplay. No, it's,
1: no. It's, yeah, it's, it's three million. Real- okay. Yeah. Twenty percent of high school youth equals three million people. You know, which is a good number, but it's not more than the adults, because four percent or four point five percent, really, which is now actually what the number is. Uh, uh, Danielle had found that for, They now saying that four point five percent adults. Uh, are vaping is 10.9 million, so there's more than three times as many adults vaping than
2: high school youth, and, and that 20% number is last you know anyone that took a puff yeah, in the last just month. one
1: puff. Whereas yeah. you've got that 10%, which the 10% or the 4%, 10 million, those are how many say that they vape, but you know there's something like four to four and a half million who actually quit smoking with vaping, so that might be some dual users too. So um which dual use is a good thing uh but they keep saying it's a bad thing what one Um, thing i will say
2: just really quick while you're right there on that tweet mm -hmm. um if if you pmi um their marketing department needs to be talked to because they should not have put the guy's picture on the little ad he looks like (laughs) a villain in a marvel superhero yeah or like
1: a james bond and (laughs) and
2: like it's just why would you even prop that guy up because everyone's going to think he's evil it just and not even dig into what he has to say sorry I just my marketing brain had to to, uh, say that
1: I don't have an in with them so you know I have no idea if that's uh that's something um that we could have any influence on but yeah so but that's but it's just the, the irony of his um his talking down his nose and his superiority and, and well, what you're not saying is 20% of kids, high school kids use e cigarettes compared with only 4% of adults. And these were, you know, but that number is completely hiding the truth, completely hiding the truth. And, um, the other one, and we've got to call them out on this. You know, we really do. Cassad did call them on and, and, and Kassad's really been getting a little more snarky, which I know people will be happy to hear that, but, uh, yeah. we're still trying to be responsible, but, um, And then the other one was, um, tweet and in in his, this, you know, it says this e-cigarettes pose a huge threat to millions of Americans. They're the threat, you know? Um, and again, you know, he, he does in the article and I don't know if I can pull it up because it's in the Sun times and I I'm over my quota, but, um, but he also, again, the, 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 the lack of any kind of compassion, you know, and that's what I was thinking about with with the smoker, not thinking about people who smoke, and um. And and just kind of kind of just sort of shrugging to the side. Well, adults can do what they want, uh, you know, but but this doesn't even really help people quit smoking, you know. I mean, that's what he essentially said. He's, he, you know, it's like adults can make their own choices, even though there's simply no evidence that vapes help quit smoking. Outright yeah, lie. You-
2: He's oh my- blatantly lying. At least Durbin's like stretching the truth, right? which is uh, which is, you know, it's that's how politics. Like, you right. could take any kind of data set and kind of like yeah. you know, spin it and and make make your own narrative out of out of it. But Raja's just blatantly lying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he I believe he also the other thing he said was um, let me find my uh yeah and and he also implies because in his in the article he says something to the effect of um is it in the tweet actually i'm not sure is that in the tweet this is too small my screen i'll pull it up Our kids are not for sale they deserve our protection well in the actual article he says something to the effect of that 20 percent of kids are using this highly addictive um product you know this highly addictive product and Really insinuating or implying that 20% of kids are addicted to this product, you know, he didn't say that, but the way the sentence is laid out is 20% of high school kids are using this highly addictive product and it just it was so Oh, i'm back on the wrong one, but it was so um. Hold on. That one um it was just so blatant and but that but that that statement of, you know, adults can do what they want, but there's no evidence. And just without any shred of irony or compassion, you know, I mean, it just, that's such a sneering, well, adults can do what they want, but you know, you're idiots because it's not, there's no evidence that it's helping you. I mean, and just all of our testimonials and all of the studies that we have, the the Cochrane Review, you know, I mean, yeah, his was an outright lie and we need to make sure we're calling them on this and um, getting, you know, we Kasah has an entire section and maybe this might be a good moment. I'm going to wrap it up with this is I'm going to pull up the um, I'm going to pull up the Kasah site and show you guys here. We have a couple different things. We have our facts section. You know frequently asked questions that talks all about harm reduction and and how they can reduce their risks but electronic cigarettes does it cause seizures is there any evidence that vaping helps adults quit smoking and you know it says you know this is just a short thing but there's a link here that says read more here and it takes you to a study um and if you go under our resources and you go into our information library you'll see just a ton of stuff. I mean, God, Danielle, I love you so much. She just, they just did an awesome job with this site. But go down to youth usage. And here's all the studies here. And if you look up here, this link can be copied and shared to get right down to this section. And we do need to update this because I believe we have a few more studies that have just come out as far as, you know, do they help people quit smoking? Do they help, um, you know, here's all the stuff about high school students. So you know, use that and, and call them out on this and let them know that they can't get away with this anymore, you know, and I'm, I've just about had it. And, <laughs> you know, I, it's hard to still want to keep playing nice when they're just so blatantly lying and, and or using what Durbin did, which they've been doing since day one of, oh, there's toxic chemicals. Well, how much, you know, it's like, it's stating the truth, but not the whole truth or a version of the truth that fits their agenda and they got us we've got to we've got to keep calling on it so as, as advocates don't be shy call them out on, on this stuff
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it's so their game what- to use coercion and and to get what they want and to create fear about about uh, stuff and i mean they've been doing it for as long as my adult life i mean look at the look at how scared they got got us all of, Terrorism, so we would have the Patriot Act and stuff like that. You know, they overblow a lot of the. Not saying those aren't serious issues, but they o- overblow it to get you to uh, get scared and and be okay with with giving certain things up.
1: Now this is an interesting question. Uh, Daytime Frank says the thing is, how many kids are actually using the product they depict? They really use pods and disposables. I <clears throat> so. Yep. Well, <laughs> I, I mean,
0: there's there's a lot of things I think to talk about that. But while you were talking, Kristen, about the numbers, mm. um, and this and this relates to to daytime Frank's uh, question as well. Um, I'm going to pop my screen in here. Do I have the right thing? So there was an article that flew by on Twitter. Um, this is written by Dave Morris. You may know him, oh, yeah, as so- Dave Gravy Morris, on right. the Twitters. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned here, and I haven't been able to independently verify this or anything like that, so I will just sort of give you the the kind of pre-warning here that I, I haven't verified this. This is really his experience that's being reported here. Um, but while he was attending a meeting with the Arizona Attorney General's office, uh, someone in, you know, on who represented the AG's office noted that. Over half the products used among Arizona youth were vaping products that contained THC, and so this is this is another known. Whenever you look at those shots of like, you know, the the the, the high school principal's desk drawer where he keeps all the contraband, there's right. a certain percentage of those that all of us can easily identify as THC carts. Um, right. And but it's you know this has been a problem not just you know in terms of people not knowing the differences, the different products, but also the survey instruments that are being used to gather all this data, that that question about THC versus nicotine has sort of come and gone. And there's not really any reliable um, measurement of how many kids are just vaping THC and how many are vaping nicotine. And of course they're both vaping. So if you ask, this is something that years ago, was brought up to people administering these surveys that if you just ask kids about vaping, then there's no distinction between THC and nicotine. Also, the the whole thing about Juul. So you, you have to specific you have to ask them you know product specific questions. Um, and more to to daytime Frank's um, question, you know, this was something in in Danielle's very excellent latest installment of the Master Settlement Agreement videos. Yeah. Um, you know, she noted one of the quotes, this, and this is one of those things we have, we actually have a recording of someone from a, a a school board, I believe was talking about, um, you know, how the, these, these payments would be divvied up or how much of this is Juul actually responsible for. And they're just going, they're going off of inaccurate numbers about market share. And they're saying, well, Juul is apparently 80%, 80% market share, so we just assume that eighty percent of the products that we're confiscating are jewel, and they're not. I mean, it's like maybe twenty percent, and it, it's it seems that like jewel has been featured in these pictures less and less over the past couple of years. I know Stefan Didak, um, who some of us know, and um, uh, you know he has his his uh, uh, I don't whatever Stefan Didak has been posting these pictures up and pointing out that you know jewel actually makes up a, a actually small portion of of what's actually being confiscated um so yeah yeah, just to throw those those little tidbits out there hopefully that contributed something
1: yeah and and you know the the actual statement what did he say he said uh the thing is how many kids are actually using the products they depict they really use pods and disposables and you know if you look at those confiscated devices, you see a whole broad range. I see just as many mods and bottles of liquid and um, yeah, there's pods and disposables, but it's not, it's not just that. But here's the thing. It's not that widespread. Just remember that that 20%, the vast majority of them just took a puff off of friends device. You know, so you can't start pointing fingers and saying, well, it's all Jules' fault. It's all this, you know, the, the what is those other, Puff puff Bar fault. You know, it, it's all their fault that, that we have this vaping epidemic. No, there is no vaping epidemic. And so when you start doing that and agreeing, oh, yeah, it's all Jules' fault. It's all their fault. You're blaming them for something that's just an, an exaggerated um, phenomenon. And that that, yes, a lot of kids did try it. And, you know, we had to watch that. Was it a trend? Was it a, you know, just a trendy thing to do? But the vast majority of the kids, they didn't go out and buy the product, you know, because I see uh, bricks and mortars people trying to blame online sales and online sales, blaming the convenience stores. And and they're all just, you know, throwing the blame on each other and throwing each other under the bus when really the kids aren't even buying them in vast amounts. They're getting one and 10 of them share it, you know, and so. And they probably got it from their older brother who brought it legally. So who are you gonna blame for that? Are you gonna blame the store or the online who sold it to a legal person and then gave it to the younger kids who then 10 or 15 of them took a puff off of it. And now they say, yes, I had a puff in the past 30 days. You know, So stop throwing each other under the butts over <laughs> this stuff
2: yeah, too because I, <laughs> that drives I'll, me crazy.
0: I'll, I'll add, um, uh, I had the opportunity to speak to someone who is a middle school principal And uh, one of the things he mentioned was that um, I I don't know how frequent it is, but he has on several occasions um, received a call at the end of the day from a parent who says, hey, um, apparently you confiscated my mod from my kid. Can I have it back? (laughs) And so that's, you know, just like I stole cigarettes, kids are stealing vapes and and that's, Um... you know.
1: I actually had to do that.
0: Yeah. So there you go. I mean, <laughs>
1: my daughter took mine, and I was like, "Can I get that back?" Because she took mine, you know. Um, but yeah, that yeah. that was, and I've told the story about why she was using it. And boy, I'm like, "Really, <laughs> really, you're gonna do this to me?" <laughs> and then she was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, that was my take. Would you uh, like? uh, you don't have a screen up, so you you like Alex to pull up that uh, thing? I, Matt Matt's agreed, graciously agreed to do a take for us today too. I'll do so, a take. Uh, he's I'll, gonna throw I'll, a take out there.
0: You 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 want the the graphic?
2: Oh sure. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, I'm not seeing it. Oh, there it is. All right. My take is that. And I might make this extra wordy, so my apologies. I think that uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that the advocates in in the uh, vaping space need to read the room, so to say, so so to speak, and they need to understand that this isn't the Trump years anymore. It's a different political climate, and you know, during the the Trump presidency, a lot of us, even if we didn't like Trump. Um, you use the right arguments and, and you make the case, you know, to to what you think is going to resonate for those people. Now that, you know, Republicans are, are, are don't have the House and or the, the uh, White House, the uh, and, and Democrats are, are running the show. You got to change your arguments, even if you hate Democrats and you think that they're all evil. <laughs> you still need to uh, change your arguments up and uh, figure out what resonates with them. And that's where we really need to focus on what, you know, uh, underserved communities, uh, whether it be the LGBT community, pe- uh, people of color, um, you know, how much certain things can affect them. And and when we do graphics like this, like Danielle made this really great graphic showing, uh, you know, uh, Uh, lesbian gay and bi smoking and trans smoking and then cisgender smoking and transgender vaping so on and so forth um a few people seemed you know the all lives matter crowd seemed to jump in and and they were like you know what about the all of us vapers? this doesn't just affect the lgbt community that's not really the point you need to you need to make points that resonate with uh politicians and this is definitely one of them so what I'm saying is, is it's time to suck it up, take your own political beliefs out of it and and play the game. That's that's what you have to do uh, when you're going to be an advocate. Um, you know, and cannabis has been really successful with that, where they've made friends on both sides of the aisle. And they, you know, even though it, it could be looked at as more of a progressive issue, they still seem to be pretty neutral politically and uh, just make the right arguments for the uh, um the audience that they have so that's that's basically what i'm getting at so far a lot of advocates have not been doing a good job and they seem just you know still stuck in you know the trump days and they haven't realized that it's time for them to uh, morph a bit and to uh, um you know mutate into into a, a different uh, argument right. am i making sense
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i it, and and just to- uh,
2: so i'm gonna close this
0: just to oh Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and just to speak to, I think maybe some of those comments, uh, you know, the all lives matter comments and so on. I mean, this graphic is pretty specific and, in, in, um, you know, in making it clear that, you know, we are talking about communities that smoke at higher rates than the rest of the population and that the motivating factors, the underlying factors for why these communities smoke more is, you know, a much deeper problem. But I, I think in terms of, you know, when we're talking about harm reduction, we, we really do need to be, I think, focusing more on, you know, what what other solutions are going to work. You know, we can't fix all of society's problems right now, but we do have the technology and and the the science to at least give people less harmful options because we know that people are going, you know, drug use is it, drug use has been with humans for thousands of years, um, and it's, you know, certainly uh, a way for for people to, it's a way for people to enjoy themselves, and it's a way for people to escape the realities um, of, of their situation that, that are, are soul-crushing and, 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 and dangerous and harmful and, and, and all of those things, um, and so it, as a coping mechanism, uh, we have probably unprecedented access to all kinds of drugs. And so the, all of that to say, we know that people are going to do these things no matter what, and it's, it's no longer viewed as good policy, I think by and large, at least with cannabis, um, but it's, it's no longer viewed as good policy to punish these people for just trying to feel better. Um, and so that's, that's why this particular graphic focuses on the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and, uh, you know, even, even within, you know, we have other subsets of, of, of people who experience life in in different ways. And some of us turn to substance use in order to deal with this. And, and yeah, I'm just going to repeating myself. here. And
2: that, that graphic should be a gut check for all of us, because if you look, I mean, there's over, did any of us know that there were over 20%, uh, what, what is it? 21.3% of the trans community vapes. I mean, that's, that's huge. And why, are, why aren't why are there more trans people in vape groups uh, on Facebook? Why are we, you know, not like maybe trying to reach out to, to, to more in these community and, and be more inclusive? Do they, do they maybe feel, uh, um, uh, you know, on, un- not unsafe but what's the word i'm looking for uncomfortable in in the community we have right now because it's mostly you know white guys with big beards <laughs> so and welcome you know,
0: would probably be a good
2: yeah it. it welcome yes yeah, so unwelcome wel- oh yeah they, they feel unwelcome so we need to be welcoming to to these different groups and uh and remember that it's a big tent smokers come from all walks of life. And uh, we need to, uh, you know, invite any anybody that's uh, that's interested in tobacco harm reduction under the tent and uh, all work as one.
0: That's it's one and, of the things I, I, I kind of feel like um, this is me living that kind of pie in the sky dream here. But I, I, I felt I always have that little voice in the back of my head that says, if we can solve this I think we can solve everything else because of the big tent, because this crosses political boundaries and, and all of the other all of the other boundaries. Everybody, not everybody, but soaking affects everybody. It doesn't matter where you come from. It affects some people more, of course. But it's it's just across all of the lines. And and I feel, and that's one of the 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 what I've always hoped was sort of the promising thing about the vape community. You can have some ultra conservative person standing at the counter at a vape shop and the biggest hippie liberal in the world walks in and says, I want to quit smoking. And they will both put their political differences aside and swap stories about how vaping helped them. And and so to me, I feel like that's kind of the linchpin in all of this stuff. Um, I I know I'm wrong, but hey, you know, a boy can dream.
1: Okay, well, I'm, I'm monitoring the comments here and I'm putting this one up. Um, not to call it out, but because I'm not sure the tone of that. I'm not sure if they're asking us, well, are you just worried about this, or are you going to get to talking about these laws and stuff, or if he's saying to vapers and advocates, hey, what are you more worried about, who's vaping or smoke? But I think I think the point got lost here along the way because I don't know if we veered off here. But the point is, is that we're t- gay, you know, LGBTQ issues are very big in the, the, the left-leaning democratic uh, sphere. Okay. And so what we're trying to say is, is that we do have to take that into account, you know, for talking to people who um, are very right-leaning, you may talk about things like individual freedoms and, and things like that. Whereas on the left, you may be talking more about <clears throat> my body, my, decision uh the fact that this is affecting the people that the left is often talking about which is
2: lgbtq
1: uh war
2: on drugs
1: people, uh yeah uh, drug um ending the war on drugs those are all hot topic issues for them so what we're trying to say is screaming at people who lean that way about you know, individual freedoms and and certain things that just kind of they don't resonate with them that would have resonated with Trump and or, you know, back then. And that's what Matt was trying to say is that,
2: yeah, tailor your message. Like yeah. I, in well, Montana, I've talked to Democrats and Republicans, and those conversations go much differently depending on which politician I'm talking to. And, uh, you know, it's it, you read the room, really. That's all what it, what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Going all in there, you try to think about the things that will appeal to those people is what we're trying to say. And, and, and yeah, this is very interesting because somebody did bring that up and said in the, in the chat and said something to the effect of, well, didn't that all kind of go out the window with the menthol bands, because that's all about protecting these people, you know, the LGBTQ people and the, um, the lower income and black people and, you know, people of color in general. And so they're, that's a that's a good point. It, it, and we need to kind of counter that and say, Look, that's the way you're looking at it. You want to get them to stop smoking. Well, you need to support this vaping for exactly the same reason. And that's the argument you want to give them. You don't want to go up to them and say, You know, I have a right to vape, you know, <laughs> or you know, regulation's stupid or whatever arguments we were using two years well, ago. Well, you know, um, yeah,
2: I mean, with with Republicans, it was like, you know we don't want to hurt small businesses. We, you know, it's a freedom issue and they tend to be friendlier with, you know, tobacco related issues. Um, But yeah, I mean, with the menthol stuff, it's like what I've told a few Democrats is like, who, you know, it's it's not going to go away. There's going to be black markets and who's going to get arrested selling menthols on the street? It's not going to be a middle class looking white guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and we'd love to get, you know, I mean, Janine saying right here that she's a member of that, you know, LGBTQ community and she felt a bit shy in the vape community at first, but she's learned it's a very welcoming community. And that's great. We're not, and I don't think anybody's trying to say that that vapors are intolerant in that effect. It's just that we vapors, just like any other Americans, run the gamut from far left to far right. And those of us who are on the far right, need to now kind of maybe shift on how we're talking to the, to the public. Just like when Trump was in office, those of us on the far left kind of had to shift to trying to figure out what is going to appeal to this guy, what is going to appeal to his, his the other people in, in power with him. Same thing now with Biden and the people who are in power with him. How are we going to appeal to them? How are we going to communicate with them where they're not just going to shut down immediately because they're thinking, I'm talking to a nut. You know, yeah. I, I will
0: say I, I, my my impression and my experience is I like talking to Republican lawmakers has always been relatively easy because they uh, very, very quickly pick up the mantle of championing small business. Um, and so uh, for them, this is very much a business. It's, it's very strange to me to see, um, you know, Republican lawmakers in, in D.C. making arguments in support of, of harm reduction for nicotine and yet uh, opposing, uh, you know, changing policies for cannabis, um, or, or other drugs. Um, so I mean, there's, 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 there are, it's sort of that, there's that disconnect on both sides, right? Yeah. Both
2: sides are, are very contradictory and hypocritical when it comes to harm reduction and and drug policy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and the other thing I I think I was going to bring up, you know, uh, the the comment that we showed, I think, was was sort of talking about how you know we need to do the, the same. Commenter uh, Joe uh, w- was was talking about um, you know we need to be lobbying and all of this. This is part of that. This is part about the part of developing those messages to lawmakers and being able to appeal to different lawmakers based on their their political stripes. And when we talk about um, you know communities like the LGBTQ community who have been through their own horrendous levels of, of discrimination uh, and, and you know, actual structural violence. Um, you know, this, this community is, was rocked by HIV AIDS. And of course, you know, society's first uh, reaction to that was, uh, of course, not understanding the issue, but also, you know, isolating people with HIV AIDS, uh, stigmatizing people with HIV AIDS. The entire gay community was stigmatized because of HIV AIDS. Uh, and and of course, this contributed to people, uh, I think, more promotion of sort of abstinence only approaches to sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, and so, you know, here here is a group of people who have been um, I, 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 I don't like using the word victim. But in this case, I think it's kind of true. Uh, you know, a community that has been victimized by policies that are not open to uh, this idea of meeting people where they're at. And here we are again, the you know, instead of having a critical conversation about how harm reduction can help in this instance, not just with smoking, but with all substance use, now these people are being hit once more with promotion of abstinence-only policies that we know throughout history do not actually result in some sort of net benefit. And if anything, there is a net harm here. So um, that's, I think, that's one of the reasons why, why we highlight this, and I think we are encouraging other people to highlight the disparities, um, you know, how these policies are negatively, negatively affecting everyone, but in particular, a lot of these, these groups that, that could benefit from other strategies.
1: Okay, well, Joe kind of clarified. He says, I get what you're saying about the demographics, but that has no impact on the decision when it comes to vaping. It's big tobacco that has thrown money at the states and now they want to be repaid. The states now feel obligated to shut vaping down for their past compensation. We need to band together and use our passion and most of all money to get the same results. Politicians only speak money and we as an industry have more than enough. Uh, a lot to
0: unpack there. Yeah, but. I don't look, I mean, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about each one of those points. Um, no. I, I, and I, I, I kind of don't want to go down that that rabbit hole. It, it's certainly things that have been discussed internally. There have been multiple op- opportunities over the past 10 years for the industry to come together and fund an effort. Um, I, I know without naming names, you know, there was there was a concerted there was a, as far as anything that's ever come out of the vaping community. There was a very well-funded effort uh, over the past few years. Um, and, and that organization was able to file successful lawsuits on behalf of manufacturers um, because those are the ones who have standing, not, not us, the manufacturers. Um, and, uh, you know, got the, 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 vape, the, the flavor ban, the first round, the first attempt at a flavor ban in New York um, was held back until the legislature passed it in the middle of the night um, that bought the industry here a year. Um, so, uh, you know, that has certainly been tried and I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, unfortunately the biggest success of the way that FDA is, is enforcing the rules, the biggest success of the anti-vaping anti-smoking activists is that they've sort of taken the knee they've, they've chopped the industry off at the knees. Uh, if you can reduce the amount of product that any of these companies can sell, then you're reducing the amount of money they can contribute toward changing policy. Um, and so now, more than ever, it is much more challenging to raise that money because there's there's going we're going to see so many businesses exiting the space. Um, Already seeing it, and and I and I don't know how many people have just sort of soured on the whole effort. I hope not. I mean, I. Yeah. I, I, I Anyway, like I said, we could go on and on and on and talk about this. I don't want that to be the rest. And,
1: of the and keep rest. in mind that we're coming at this from a consumer advocate viewpoint. You know, we don't have the same kind of resources as the industry does. And you know, although we do get a lot of support from the industry, but it's it's that's not anywhere near, you know, what would be needed to fight this with money, as you as you put it. And and I'm just going to say that the tobacco industry is not our biggest enemy. I mean, and they have nothing to do with getting paid back the money that they put in from the MSA. So I, I think you're kind of off base with that. Um, yeah,
0: actually, I mean, when we talk about um, and I've talked to people that work for tobacco companies and and about this in particular with how the MSA affects them, um, you know, the, the sort of strategy behind uh, MSA and the Tobacco Control Act was sort of this slow managed decline in smoking prevalence. And so these massive corporations factor that in. They, they are prepared to be losing sales of, of cigarettes, you know, year over year and so on. And, you know, in the case of Altria, um, you know, they're somewhat diversified. They, I think they own Kraft Foods or they did at one point. Uh, you just saw, um, was it PMI uh, got into the, the medical device space by acquiring a a, a company that does, uh, you know, inhalers, um mm-hmm. and,
2: and
0: so on. And so, um, you know, the companies are prepared for this. They don't need to, crush small business in order to to kind of get an edge on things but i will say you know we've had there is some overlap in in kind of the 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 policy and regulatory goals that we have uh with what you know incumbent tobacco companies want um uh, maybe (laughs) um i mean they got the biggest safe harbor out of the tobacco control act right they've they've Uh, you know, they've insulated themselves from competition there. That's the biggest, that's the best thing that anybody could have given to a tobacco company. Um, So, you know, they've already got the advantage. Um, But I will say, you know, there are friends until they aren't. And that's just, that's life. That's not special to to tobacco products. Um, So uh,
2: one more point worth mentioning too on fundraising is that part of what makes this community over the years really great and cool is also made it harder to raise funds and that's having thousands of businesses if there were only 50 vape companies in the whole world it would be a lot easier to raise funds um and you know you could kind of pressure them more but when you have thousands of independent vape shops and independent manufacturers it's harder to get everybody to to pay their fair share um you know towards the advocacy efforts
1: what a lot of them are just they're they're living by I mean, we didn't get hundreds of millionaires in this industry. I mean, yeah, we've had so, a lot of people so with small very small margins who are just barely making a living, and a few big ones that you know, like Jewel and other, you know, views and blue that actually started booming. Um, some bigger liquid companies, um, I would say like uh three um three uh the one out in California with all the black bottles. They're like a bigger company. Uh, Johnson, was it Johnson something in Wisconsin here? They were pretty, they were distributing all oh, over the yeah. country. Um, and, uh, you know, Niquid and, you know, there's some bigger liquid companies, but all these mom, but they, they were so separate. And there were all these little mom and pop shops. A lot of them were just barely keeping their head above water. So, and they had, you yeah, know, trying to undercut give, the
2: internet and yeah, it wasn't. They could all give 50 bucks a month or something. It's just harder to ever catch up with those people. Like, it, it, for example, in the gun industry, you, if you're going to be a gun manufacturer, you have to be giving X amount of dollars to the NRA. Right. Or you're just going to get called out and put on the hot seat and uh, people aren't going to buy from you because you're not helping pitch. It's more in your face, trying to get like, you know, thousands of shops throughout the country to give the little little bit here and there is just way more difficult.
1: And that variety is what made this product work and these different these different approaches to it. Um, But unfortunately, that variety also made it very hard for people to agree on what they were going to agree to as far as regulation, because you had the online people, you had the bricks and Mortars people, you had the people who only bought liquid you had the people who made their own liquid, you know, and sold in house, you know, and th- that, that made it really hard for them to come together and agree on, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to agree to. You had people who were like, no regulation at all. We shouldn't have any regulation, you know, so yeah, it, it was, it's. There's, yeah. it, it wasn't one just issue. People say, oh, it's just vaping. No, it's a whole bunch of different kinds of vaping and kinds of products and kinds of business models. And that did make it hard for the industry. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give them that.
0: <laughs> so are we, uh, I, I feel like we're we're skirting yeah. on the edge of a, a segue into the deep dive here. Is that, uh, are we ready like to move good on?
1: Good segue I for that. I think so. Let's do it.
0: So I chose for today's topic and I, I saw the comments uh, in the stream and, and, and I know we all have a tendency to do a lot of choir preaching. Um, but, you know, this is out there in the world. And I, I just, I always cross my fingers that somebody not familiar with vaping or not in the, in the vaping community stumbles ac- across these conversations and hopefully they, they gain a little bit of perspective. So um while we are all talking about the manufacturers, the individual manufacturers getting MDOs and the liquid coming off the market, I thought we should talk about what else we're losing uh, in all of this.
1: Um,
0: And um, so just from my notes here. um, it was
1: a good segue then we were talking about vape shops that actually worked out really well. Yeah,
0: it did. And and of course, (laughs) and, and you brought up, you know, the diversity of products and flavors and all of this, you know, I, you know the, the ability for people to customize their experience and get what they what they want and and discover the advantages of vaping over smoking um, all of that is is all very very important and that is of course you know here's here's kind of the issue that everybody sees right you see companies getting shut down um, for this and that but it's it's the larger picture which includes the community it, it includes the retail environment it includes in a way, this sort of culture shift from the culture around smoking, which is, you know, pushing people uh, across the street into dark alleys and the margins of society versus what happened in the vaping community, which was people coming together in a vape shop and and sharing stories and supporting one another. So I figured, you know, this isn't by any means, this isn't an ode or obituary to the the vape shop. I think there is, uh, I, I think this is more of, uh, you know, underscoring how important that is to the success of these products and the broader success of tobacco harm reduction. Um, and so I figured we'd start with maybe a little round table of, um, you know, our early experiences with, with vape shops and, and how we, um, you know, all maybe came to the similar conclusions that I'm saying with my mouth here. Um, and so if, if we don't I, I I think we might be able to go in order of adoption here. Um Kristen, not only are you one of the longest serving members on Casaw, but I believe between the three of us, you you switched to vaping before either Matt or I. So would you would you maybe take us on a little tour of what it was back what it was like back in the day?
1: Holy cow. Um <laughs> well <laughs> so long ago. Let's see if I can remember. Um well, when i first when we first started we they didn't there was no vape shops they didn't exist um and
0: and what, we bought, what year uh,
1: 2009 all right when I bought our first one yeah it was late 2009 we went to a um we, we went to a booth at the wisconsin state fair and this guy was selling vip i think they were called um your basic cig-a-likes with white with the tan filter that popped in and the orange light at the end uh i think we spent for two kits well over 200 um and uh yeah you know within a week or two those carts either didn't work or dried up and so i was on i found myself on ecf trying to figure out how i was going to refill these and uh get different flavors because the tobacco flavor just tasted like My dad's pipe tobacco smelled. It didn't taste like smoke. It just reminded me of the smell of tobacco, Um, like pipe tobacco and sweet, which was weird. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, there was no shop. And then we moved up to north central Wisconsin to this small town. I was living in Milwaukee. And uh, so it took quite some time to get a vape shop here. The first vape shop I think we saw was 2000, I want to say it was one already by 15, I want to say maybe 2013. And it was an hour away. Uh, there was one an hour away in Wausau. And um, I think there might've been a couple either in Appleton or Green Bay by that point, which were bigger cities about an hour away from us. Um, we've only got about less than 9,000 people live in my town. So, And um, we did get a vape shop. I, I want to say in 2015 is when the vape shop opened up here. Um, he actually lived in, um, in Appleton and his parents lived here and he helped them open up the shop. And, uh, ironically, I don't think his mom ever, uh, ever quit smoking, but, um, yeah, I was, well, the first vape shop opened up and they were gone within a matter of months. Um, they weren't in the best location either, and they just had limited stuff. Uh, I swear, it looked like kids. I mean, well, everybody looks like kids to me these days. You guys look like kids, even with the gray hair. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, the that one didn't last very long. That very, it was seemed more like geared towards the devices and um, like mods and stuff. Very limited just a tiny little place. And then the other vape shop opened up, you know, better parking, all that kind of stuff. And he seemed to be a little more, I mean, still look like, you know, a man cave. I don't know why they all end up looking like man caves, you know, black leather and posters and stuff. I never understood how that always seemed to be the case that all these vape shops look like that. Um, he didn't have glass or anything back then. Um, but uh, it, it was nice because, you know, I, I got to know him and we, actually I think we finally connected on on social media first before we actually met at the vape shop since he lived about two hours away. Um, and we've actually done some stuff together as far as advocacy and meeting in Madison and when they were doing that budget thing where they're trying to tax it with the budget. And uh, yeah, I but I, I guess I never because I did this for so long, I never really got into the whole vape shop. Uh, community, I guess. I mean, I didn't go hang out there and vape, but I mean, I would go in and I would see people there doing that. And a lot of older people, I mean, there were some younger people sitting on the black leather couch, um, but, uh, you know, there's always some heavy metal or something on the TV. Um, but for the most part, you know, when I go in there, there was older people and they were helping. And then that was a nice thing was that they, they, you could go in and you could ask for certain things. You know, when my when my aunt uh, when she moved up with us, she was still smoking. And I finally got her to buy a disposable and she tried that. And then she said, Well, it's too bad you can't recharge these. And so we got a rechargeable one. And then one day we stopped at an Appleton uh, vape shop and said, We're just gonna jump in and grab something. And she's like, Can I come in too? And she walked out with this shiny red mod, you know, <laughs> later on. You know, and he was really great walking her through it and stuff like that. Um And I think that's that if that vape shop hadn't been there where she could walk in and kind of handle them and look at them, I don't think she ever would have, you know, gone online and ordered something. And she certainly wasn't going to find it at Walmart, you know, Um, and we've tried some different liquids and stuff that we really wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, a lot of the liquids I had tried. Well, for a long time, it was just Drew's stuff, you know, um, Drew Gleam, he used to be on the, on the board and then because of him, I probably, if it wasn't for him, I never would have bought a mod, but uh, he, you know, and then, you know, going to vape like um, meats and stuff. We tried a lot of different stuff, but when you couldn't do that, you know, all the time, fly to Virginia or something, having that vape shop there and being able to try the, the stuff I use now I use because that vape shop was there and, and I was able to try it and, and I liked it. So, yeah, it was it, it was really important is that, you know, we it was a, a somebody I knew in town who I knew I could contact as far as from the advocacy stuff and um, someplace to go if I needed coils on the fly or if I needed, you know, if my tank broke or, you know, I don't want to wait for three days for it to get here. Actually, here, stuff that says three days takes more like five days <laughs> to ship. So, yeah. And then, you know. More and more of those you can't get shipped to you anymore. So, yeah, it was that's that's my vape shop experience. Did I go on too long about that? I apologize.
0: That's okay. No, I mean, (laughs) it's a long
2: story with me.
0: (laughs) I, I, no, I I think it's you know, it's it's the back in the day thing, and 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 2013 is sort of consistent, I think, with my experience. Now, I don't, I, Matt, I don't know when you switched to vaping. I I think we switched pretty close to each other.
2: The first time I ever tried it was 2009. Okay. But, uh, that's, so I was bartending back then, and there was this group of people, I'm pretty sure they weren't from this area, but we have a lot of tourists here in the summer, and they had like these little Sigalike devices, and they had a little card to show you, like tell you what it was, you know, basically like just to say, hey, it's okay that we're going to use this inside your bar, and I let them, I didn't care, you know, it was like the, you remember those Sigalikes, it was just like a little tiny little wisp of, of vapor, And then I went, I was smoking outside and one of the gals that was using it was out there and like, I tried it and I thought, you know, maybe there's something here, but it seems pretty weak and uh, doesn't really give me that same, um, you know, satisfaction as a cigarette. Then in 2012, um, we had the first vape shop I had seen popped up. It was kind of like a, a, Mall, you know, vape shop that's charged way too much for these devices. That they were like yeah. demoing, demoing them. I remember one had like a wire on it connected to like a battery pack or something. Like you don't, you could like put the battery pack in your pocket and you had a wire on this. Little, like know. one of
0: those old mobile phones where you got a, you got the shoulder strap. Yeah, and...
2: yeah. <laughs> and I tried it there too, and like it was like, oh, these things are getting better, but God, they're so expensive. It's like two hundred. 200 bucks for like a kid it was crazy and then I finally went into my first proper vape no I bought the blue later in 2012 from like a Walgreens thought you know it's getting better I like this cherry flavor quite a bit but I still hadn't completely gotten away from smoking and uh, around that same time I also got oral cancer from smoking and so I'm like really thinking harder about quitting and then in 2013 beginning of 2013 there was like a proper vape shop that that popped up here that had like all the stuff you know that was popular at the time liquids just had everything and that's when like you know the first time I went in there I bought a kit but my eyes were opened that's when I really started going down the rabbit hole and uh, um, you know researching vape and watching YouTube videos and and really like got deep into like the hobby side of it. And, and, you know, I easily quit smoking around that time, but then, you know, I went to the vape shop a few times and I quickly found out, well, there's this online world and I can start buying stuff and having it shipped. And, and uh, there's devices that I can't get locally. And, and it's just kind of, you know, all uh, um, escalated from there
0: well I, I I've told my story so many times I, I I'm almost bored with it but um so i i i the first time I saw a vapor product was in uh, a truck stop on i-78 I was on my way to New York city from from Lancaster Pennsylvania I used to run vans all over the place and uh, i and I smoked I was a, a pack and a half maybe at that point it was after rehab and I, I think I'd used nicotine gum for a while and Had gotten down to about a pack a day. Um, But I was a two pack a day smoker for most most of my smoking experience. Um, And I saw these, you know, the fake electric cigarette things. And um, I actually I remember sitting in my car and seeing a truck driver in the cab of the truck, um, you know, puffing or like, I would see this little blue light kind of, you know, come up every now and then I was like, Oh, that that guy's using an e-cigarette. And at the time, I say it was probably late 2008, early 2009. I can't remember I, I remember hearing about the Tobacco Control Act and this thing is happening, and also that trucking companies are starting to prohibit drivers from smoking in the cabs because it you know, it does actually devalue the company's property, um, which I think is, is, is sort of one argument for it. The other was you know improving the health of their employees. So my, immediately I, my brain went to like, oh, this is just some gimmick for truck drivers. And that's why I'm seeing it at a truck stop. And that's why they're using it. They're trying to get around the smoking van that the company's laid down. Um, And so that I just dismissed it. Um, And it wasn't until 2013 after I saw someone using the products that, you know, this guy smoked as much as I did, if not more, um, that I figured, oh, I should give it a shot. And so when I started looking around about, you know, how do I buy these things, um, even in, you know, North Jersey there weren't really a lot of vape shops. And um, I, I got my first products from two different gas stations, I got the logic mint, and the enjoy King uh, tobacco flavor, I learned how to use the products after I figured like I was failing, I went on YouTube grim green. Um, I've told him a couple of times, I'm one of many people who tell him that he saved my life. Um, you know, all these things. He's the reason why I'm even involved in Kissa. Um, But at the time, there was, you know, I, in watching this videos, you know, it was like, oh, wait, there's, there's vape meets and people getting together. And I think I saw something from 2011. And I was like, wow, like, maybe I should go to one of these things. I don't like being around a lot of people, but this is probably interesting. <laughs> um, and uh, so I started looking for vape shops, and there just wasn't anything around. I mean, that after that first weekend of, of the Sigalikes the from gas stations, the only other place I could find maybe a different product was in a head shop on route 17 in New Jersey. If, uh, if you're familiar with the Sopranos, that's also where the Bada Bing is located on route 17. <laughs> um, and, uh, and uh, so I went there and I think green smoke was what they had. Uh, and I have no idea what the nicotine content was, I, but I'm, I'm confident it was higher than whatever I had bought from logic or enjoy because I felt, you know, my face got hot, my heart rate started racing. <laughs> um, and uh, just from, you know, a little dinky cigalike. And so just looking around in the area, trying to find a vape shop, we had, there, was, there were shops in the city, um, you know, Vape New York. I, I don't know if, if it was Vape New York at, the, at that time. I remember they had a location out in Flushing, Queens. And it was, you know, for me to get, I was just across the river. I could see the New York City skyline out the front window of our apartment. But, you know, to get to Flushing, Queens, it's like, you've got to take you know, the, the, the little jitney vans and you got to catch a, another bus, you got to get to port authority and then you got to get on a train and you got to transfer. And then you're there, it's like 45 minutes later. And I'm like, you know, this is just not worth it. Um, but I did find out later on uh, smokeless image, who was the first company I bought a starter kit from um, they were supposed to open a shop in Hoboken and they wanted to have vaping indoors. So they went and they applied for like a cigar lounge license well in new jersey there's a set number of cigar lounge licenses and they couldn't get one and so they had to delay opening and all of this to say i didn't have my first real walk into a vape shop experience until like a year later i think um uh dan donahue he runs uh, good karma vapor in new jersey and has been a, a supporter of Casa all-around friendly guy um and has been in this for years he's been he's been I think he's been doing this for as long, if not longer than I have. Actually, he opened up a shop based on me, like reading a local ordinance to him. And he was like, oh, it's not that bad. So I, I <laughs> <laughs> you know, flash forward like eight years later, nine, eight, yeah, eight years later, Dan, I'm sorry I ever talked to you into this.
2: <laughs> this is absolutely <laughs>
0: horrible. Um, but, you know, Dan's shop is where I ended up kind of going to hang out. Um, you know, I'd take my lunch break up there. And um, that was where I saw people walking in off the street who were smoking and walking up to the counter saying, you know, my my wife, doctor, friend, this and that said, maybe I should give vaping a try. Does this stuff work? And you've got, you know, three people sitting on the couch, the people behind the counter. And inevitably, somebody jumps up and is like, yeah, man, like this totally worked for me. Here's what I'm using. You can do this, too. Um, and and so that that immediately struck me as one of the most valuable features of the vape shop. The other story that I just want to relay, since we're reminiscing about how cool vape shops were, or <laughs> and still are in some places, um, we were all hanging out one day and a mom walks in. And I think she had her like 15 or 16 year old kid in tow. And she had this look on her face that was just like, it is that slow burning mom rage kind of face. You just know this person is serious. And I think everybody kind of puckered up a little bit and thought, oh my God, this is, this is going to be ugly. And they, the folks behind the counter kind of looked at us and, you know, may I help you, ma'am? And she was like, um, she explained that her son was smoking and that she, she didn't know what to do about it. And she figured that maybe getting him a, a vapor product would be a good way to go. And I think everybody's response was sort of like, okay, you can if you can get your son to go wait in the car and come back out and come back in, we'll talk about what maybe we can help you out with. But you know, nobody's making any kind of cessation claims or anything like that. Um, right. but that was that was surprising. And um, and since then, of course, you know, I think all of us have probably heard from from parents. You know, everything from, I, you know, there was a woman that was next to us at a vape show and, and she had, had talked about how she was able to to get her her kid off of ADHD drugs just by using nicotine. I mean, the drugs were were not doing great things for him, but just, you know, by being able to use nicotine, it con- managed his symptoms. He was able to function in school again and didn't have to deal with the side effects of the prescription drugs. Um, so that's just one example. Um so anyway uh you know I, I went through the same thing you did chris i spent a lot of money on trying to figure out what i was going to use eventually and um you know i spent 450 dollars in my first two weeks trying to set up i landed on a couple of uh, ego spinners or ego twists and uh a tank mod i can't even remember the name of it now but it was really cool and science fiction because it had the the milliliter markings on the side. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And so it was, you know, it, it took a while for me to actually get the opportunity to say on a panel to Matt Myers. Um, you know, if, if I had had the opportunity to visit a vape shop when I, in 2013, there's no way I would have spent that much money. I would have been able to have that conversation with somebody behind the counter and be set up, you know, for maybe a hundred bucks. And, and that would, that would have been a lot, lot more helpful than me just trying to poke around on the internet and see what's good.
1: Right. Yeah, I, you know, I actually did. forgot that that first vape shop that I mentioned that was in Wausau an hour away. was actually a tobacco smoke shop and they had cleared off a whole wall to make a vape area with mods and liquids and stuff like that. And I think today it's two walls now, <laughs> but they still sell all the tobacco and everything, too. <clears throat> but to me, you know, and some people are like, oh, my God, they sell tobacco, too. No, that's need them where they're at you know, meet them where they're at. And I think that's great. You know, I think that's exactly what they should be is selling them in tobacco shops, you know, selling, I'd love to, if I ever opened up a vape shop, it would be a tobacco harm reduction shop. It wouldn't just be a vape, vape shop. It would have, it would have Zinn and it would have Snus and it would have, you know, anything that's lower risk than, you know, just give them all sorts of different opportunities to see what works best for them. Cause like I've told the story many times before, vaping did not work for my husband. He had to snooze along with the vaping before he was able to give up the cigarettes altogether. Something was missing from him. And I just based on ECF conversations that that was the case for a lot more people than people like to admit, you know, and it's that variety, you know, that people need. And, and, and and we were just talking about this before the show is that, that tweet that I had responded to where the guy said, you know, this is all Jules' fault. Nobody needs 5% nicotine. Um, we all did it with 1.8 and got it down to 0. 0.6. And, you know, nobody needs that high of a stuff because we all did it. And that just really made me angry in a lot of ways. I mean, I can't say angry, but it just kind of like, really, you're going to go there? <laughs> you know, because if you say stuff like that, well, I did it this way. So everybody else should have done it this way. That's like people telling us, well, I quit smoking cold turkey so vaping is just pointless. You, nobody needs vaping or I quit with tobacco flavor vaping. Nobody needs peach mango. You know, how are you going to go there? You can't. You, that variety is what makes this prop this this uh product worked for so many people. And that's the great thing about vape shops is you'd have that wall and you'd have, that, you'd have, you know, the, all the glass, you know underneath the counter was always all the mods and everything. And, and they'd have that little station where with the zero nicotine stuff and little, little cover things that you could sit there and taste all the different flavors. And, you know, that's exactly what, uh, what made this work all the variety yeah. and being able to go try stuff, you know, who's going to just go onto a website and be like, Oh, you know, unicorn puke sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: <what> I mean? <laughs> well, and I can't, I can't overstate how much like the community aspect aspect of it helped me out. I mean, obviously like it was like the hobby, you know, it's new toys and trying new flavors and it's exciting. But just the community, you know, helping each other and and steering everyone everyone through it. I mean, the only silver lining, not only, but I mean, one silver lining to what's happening right now is maybe it will strengthen some of those old community ties that we used to have. You know, the ECF stuff where, you know, if we're forced to be a little more underground or more black-gray market stuff, maybe people will, will... you know, get a little bit tighter in in the community because that was really helpful back then. And then, you know, obviously not saying Juul is a bad thing or anything, but when that got popular and other products and gas stations got popular, a lot of the newer vapors didn't have that community support because they just bought that and went went about their day. And if if it worked for them, great. But um, the community is what kept me like involved and like definitely kept me from you know, ever even wanting or thinking about going back to cigarettes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have that sort of almost informal accountability in a way being around like-minded folks who are quitting smoking and, 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 yeah. it's, uh, and, and more, it's more support than accountability for sure. But I think, um, yeah. Um, the uh, the, the next thing in my notes was about the, the vape meets to massive vaping conventions. Um, we've all, I, I think, I mean, they're done, right? I mean, nobody's been to a vaping convention for a while now. Um, I mean, at least in the United States, they're done. Um, and so I, I don't know really what where I wanted to go with this. I just know that I missed the earlier vape meets where it was, you know, people setting up card tables and, and, and selling products that they had made uh, you know, in their kitchens and so on, um, and then you know, over the period of like three years, three, maybe five years, you went from people renting a, a conference room at a hotel to That's renting crazy. out entire convention centers and pitching tents in the parking lot to accommodate the overflow. Um, referencing ECC there, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that but you know that was also really I know that you guys I know Matt you've been to more of these yeah I I mean we
2: we were we were victims of our own success all right so like it it, you know those early vape meets I came along later than than you know Kristen or people like Graham and stuff but some of the first few I went to were smaller and had that more community vibe but you're right it got a lot more corporate trade show feeling you know no interest in those and uh it, I still liked going to them because you still got to see people that you knew from online, you That's know, a and good part, yeah. And like, so you still had that kind of community side of it, but um, times changed and it, and it wasn't underground anymore. And you had these just massive freaking vape shows in Vegas and California and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I wish we, I missed those too. <laughs> I wish we at least had more of something. I know there's still there's going to be one
1: uh Mallory just said there's going to be one in Houston in October
2: yeah the problem that I've seen seen over the last few years of vape shows in the U.S. is it's just gotten harder and harder to get vapors to come to them and so it ends up just being more like trade shows like half the people walking the floor are just business owners looking for new products to pick up and stuff um and and uh, it's less and less consumers
1: yeah, that was the fun part because in the early days we'd go to these things and well, like like Alex said, one conference room was like the size of a what what most people get for an average wedding, and all the you know all the booths were tables around the outer perimeter and there's a bunch of tables in the center and we'd all just sit and talk and and meet and uh, it was definitely more like geared towards the consumer and we would um, there's every booth booth table was like a different kind of product, you know, and there was, there was new stuff, you know, there was, there was, oh, look at those little rings you can put around your tank so they don't break, or look at that, you know, that one is all a really cool, uh, cobalt blue color mod, and, you know, <laughs> it just, wow, it, it I mean, it was so much fun, and it was so much fun to, especially for Kasab because we, are all remote, you know, we've been working remotely since the beginning, so we were, we knew what this was all about with COVID, right, um, but we don't get a chance to see each other in person, I mean, actually, a lot of time, we don't even get a chance to see each other's faces, yeah. uh, I get, you know, to do this with Logan and, and and Alex now, and then Danielle comes out occasionally, but yeah, it, it, it was definitely just, there was definitely community, and I, I was so excited looking for it, I think the last one I went to was in Chicago, and um, actually went by myself and my husband didn't come that time. And it, it was, it was just, you know, there was half dressed women, which if you're a middle aged woman, you're walking around and you're like, this is not geared towards me at all. You know, it's all just, and, 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 you know, if I was like a pave mom, I'd probably walk there with, Oh, they're all just trying to get these teenage boys vaping, you know, cause that's what it felt like. Again, same thing with the vape shop feels like we a bunch of teenage boys, boys would hang out. You know, I, is the couch, Alex, you said yours had a couch The one you went to had a couch too, is that like a prerequisite for opening a vape shop? I need to know this. If I ever decide. To you open you need <laughs> a,
2: a, a dusty old leather couch. in a vape leather shop. Couch, it's, yeah. it, it's actually when you file it for a, uh, a license in, in that jurisdiction, you have to state that you will put a nasty couch in there.
1: Yeah. So that last one, I just, you know, and again, it was just the same stuff over and over again. You know, as you went to this booth and you went to that booth and you went to that booth and it just, there was hardly anything unique, you know, that, um, yeah, it just, it just wasn't the same. It didn't have that. To me, those early vape meets were like my vape shop, Alex, you know, that was my community that's where i saw drew and drew's like what the heck are you still doing with that 510 here's a mine you know <laughs> take this and he shove it in your hand and be like you know you'll thank me later and and it was that kind of stuff that where you learn stuff and you met people and definitely that sense of community that yeah i haven't you know it's hard to have that again. It's hard to, that I do miss that, that I really, really do miss those early days, early days on ECF too. Like all the people from ECF we'd meet and yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And well, for anybody who's kind of new to all the, the lingo here, um, ECF electronic cigarette forum, which was, which is where a lot of us learned how to use the products online where we didn't have vape shops. I, I'm not, I was never a prolific poster on ECF even even wearing my cassaw hat, I, I never uh, totally got into it. But there's a, a lot of information and a lot of people who are really willing to
2: help. So um, yeah, here's you, I, when I first started my YouTube way. channel, that's where I spammed all my videos in ECF. And then I'd get in trouble, but then I'd do it again. <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks, ECF.
1: <laughs> that's the link right there it's e cigarette dash forum it's still very active Kassah has its own sub forum I post everything that I post on Facebook on Twitter Kasa is posting there um and they're still pretty they're still pretty active that's you know I think Facebook and Twitter kind of took over a lot and a lot of people migrated away from there but Kassah ended up doing that only because just the reach was greater you know we yeah. were, kind of talking to an in an echo chamber in in an e-cigarette forum you know you couldn't really share things the same way and stuff so we did kind of get away from posting there and I felt bad about that and so that's why I don't know what was that Alex maybe a two years ago when i started posting there again and making sure i don't know um, sounds good,
0: right
1: <laughs> but i but i was like boy we haven't really done anything over there and and so we try to keep them you know let them know what's going on this video has been posted there so hopefully some of you guys if you're an ecf watching us hi um <laughs> you know so yeah it, it it's it's a good place to learn stuff it really is and, oh, and, I've and met so a lot great, of
2: people there's so much great history on there too i mean there's threads I- of Uh, Yeah, there's threads of guys designing atomizers like the Genesis atomizer just in a thread, you know, like that's there's there's all kinds of really cool stuff. When I first started, it was like mainly ECF. And then when Facebook came out with their groups, that really changed the game. Hmm. And then everyone started migrating to, to Facebook groups. And you know people were selling on in those groups and stuff too, but now Facebook's cracked down more on, on that stuff. So, yeah. and, and maybe it'll migrate back to ECF at some point. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. You never know.
0: <laughs> well, that that maybe that'll bring us to the final bit of discussion, um, which was uh, sort of the future, looking looking forward here. Um, I, I I guess. In my mind, I'm sort of taking the the most pessimistic view here that the regulations are enforced with an iron fist, and uh, vape shops are are sort of just put out of business. Um, and so, I, I, I guess what we're left with then is sort of the the corporate version of what a vape shop or, or what a vapor retail experience is. Uh, and the example I use here is is the ICO store, um, and it, ICO's. It, PMI and in the United States, Altria has the rights to market Icos um, describe, you know, this experience I've only seen like videos of, uh, a picture. I've never been into an ICO store. I'm just going off of the descriptions from the modified risk application that uh, Altria submitted and um, from uh, pictures. I know Gregory Conley, I think was sharing some pictures of an ICO store and other things. And so apparently when you walk into an ICO store, the entire sales process takes like 45 minutes. There is sort of, there's this interview of, you know, how much do you smoke and what, maybe what brand. And part of that is verifying that you do smoke. Um, and part of their, their sales materials, uh, it it uh, or part of their marketing plan is to not sell ICOs to people who don't smoke. Um, and I think that may even apply to people who may, uh, find themselves close to going back to smoking, um, which is something I publicly criticize them for in their, in their tip sack hearing. Um, I I don't feel that that's a very wise thing to do. Um, but, uh, so if you, if you don't smoke, you're not supposed to be able to buy an Icos. Uh, they, they walk you through using the product. It's, it's apparently being in this store. It's a, it's a lot like being in an Apple store. Uh, it's it's a very technology-driven kind of in, environment. Um, some of the pictures from, from Japan, it actually feels more like a cafe. Um, but uh, here in the United States, I imagine it's a lot different. Um, and after that, there are sort of, you know, these follow-ups. I think after, after a day, they call you, or after a couple of days, they call you and see how you're getting along with the device, encouraging you to stick with that and not go back to smoking. Um, but... You know, I, I, I certainly appreciate, I see the value of that, especially from, a, you know, talking to a regulator kind of perspective, uh, including all of those details and, and and really, you know, building that as part of the marketing plan. I, I, I understand all of that. Um, but is, first of all, the question is, is this kind of uh, almost prescriptive, very managed experience that people might have with ICOs? Is this the way of the future? Uh, it, you know, If we do see vape shops survive, are they going to have to go through that process of, of spelling out what it's like to come in and buy a device? Are they gonna to have to commit to follow-ups with customers and and all of these things? Uh, and uh, is that the most effective way to do this?
2: Well, I think the bummer is, is like, you know, obviously the ICOs has helped lots of people and will help even more people. But, you know, when you go into a place like that, you have one product to try. Yes, there's different flavors, but I've, I've tried the IQOS before and various uh, different sticks with it. And, uh, you know, if someone goes in there and, and they just don't like the experience, there's nothing else to try, you know? So like, as opposed to a vape shop where, you know, you don't, you know, maybe you're trying to disposable and you don't like it so you can give them something else to try it and so i think that they're definitely going for the apple shop or apple store vibe and i i i like you know what they're doing it makes sense but uh does it replace a a vape shop no
1: there's no black couch.
0: (laughs) yeah there's no well there might be i I don't know
1: (laughs) i mean i in in all honesty I always envisioned doing, if I ever, because before we finally got a vape shop, I always envisioned, hey, maybe I will get into this, you know, and I kind of envisioned something like an Apple Store, something very clean, people with little, like, lab little coats singing with my logo on it,
2: you know, very... I love that, it's just if it had more variety, you know, right, I, right, I like, right. the clean, like, if you look at a lot of the European vape shops, they definitely give me that vibe. Um... You know, a lot of white, very clean, sort of, you know, trendy, minimalistic, sort of. Right. But you still have lots of different products to choose from. Right. Um, with the EniQuest, you go in there, you're trying one system. You know, most people are probably going to buy it even if they don't like it. Probably after going through that 45-minute spiel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but, I mean, uh, it was successful in Japan. People are buying it in Japan. You know, we've been spoiled, though, because, you know, over there they didn't have they couldn't compare it to vaping. They couldn't compare yeah. it to all these. I mean, cause I, I went from that one smoke shop, vape shop to now they're just popping up everywhere. I mean, we, we've got about with, I mean, I still have to drive two hours, but I've got one in town now and I could drive an hour in either direction to the bigger cities. And I've got dozens and dozens, you know, and Japan didn't have that option. So you kind of have to step back and go, okay, well, what if vaping never existed? How would we feel about this? You know, but we're kind of spoiled. You know, will we be sitting there fighting for the ICOs? You know, and that option, will we still be saying, you know, this is saving our lives? So you kind of have to be a little honest with yourself on some of this, you know, and think, well, why am I really doing this? Why am I really fighting for this? Am I fighting because it saves lives or am I fighting because I really like it? <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to think about it that way too. Now, yeah, the other whole thing going through the whole 45 minutes but i mean i've spent hour or two in a vape shop i mean it was voluntarily i wasn't required to do it so i don't know and again i, I don't know it's that that's hard yeah i mean, I,
2: I think it's a net positive thing and ico store is a positive thing and people should have access to it it just doesn't replace what we're used to like you said
0: yeah i, I think and and apathy miller i i'm I don't know if apathy is your real first name, but if it is, congratulations, um, <laughs> points, points out here, there is room for both. And I, yeah. I hope I hope this is, I'm, I'm putting this up in the right context. And I, every, I think everybody here agrees with that. I mean, whether we're talking about like, uh, you know, pharma vape or, you know, open tank systems and all of that, we actually want both. I want, I want people to go to a drugstore and talk to the pharmacist and get a vapor product. I also want them to be able to go to a vape shop and see the wall um, and and make their make their decision um so yeah oh, i think
1: <laughs> sounds like sitting through presentation on timeshares
2: <laughs> part, part of why vaping was so effective was because it was it had a leg up on smoking because it was m- more fun you know i mean the yeah. they enjoy the the variety the the fun little devices the toys you know like if you're i'm a tech guy so getting get, you know getting a new mod was always fun and trying new flavors was fun. And, it, and then obviously you had the community on top of that. You had, when, when you're just trying to make it, you know, uh, tobacco harm reduction, the exact same as the cigarette experience, then it's, it's, you know, it, it's, you're going to convert less people, uh, um, in the long run. And yeah, vaping I feel... formed under a whole
1: different, I'm sorry, Alex, but vaping is vaping formed under a whole different, um, environment in a whole different environment you know i mean we talked about ecf and how much innovation came from there and people coming on and saying where are the flavors it was it was really consumer driven whereas icos is top-down driven it's corporate driven and they're like well what do we want to offer them not what do they want from us and again if, if it was I, I don't know how well it would have done because the first time they tried to do a smoke-free cigarette, it didn't go so well, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I mean, we we drove that. And that's what always made me so mad when they say, well, you know, adults who smoke don't want flavors. Adults who smoke don't want something that looks like a Pokemon ball. Ad- uh, clearly they do because it was adults who came up with all this crap, you know? <laughs> I mean, and they wanted it. I mean, they. I, I remember Julie, she has like, she had like every single mod that ever existed yeah. she like collected them i and...
0: i i have so i have julie's collection here and um I, I it's in a closet i need to dig it out but um, yeah collection. i believe one of them is like a it's a you know kind of tall boy monster you know made into a mod so <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean, I mean all the all these things are user-driven technologies and like it's a uh, Yeah, it's very frustrating. Uh, I I wish that any regulator and any politician before they make any rules on vaping would comb through ECF, you know, from the beginning and just see just, you know, kind of like the evolution of of how it all went down. It's fascinating. And uh, it was user driven. It was exactly what smokers were wanting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the different flavors. Gosh, I remember people creating all sorts, and then they were going into savory stuff. So you had like crab juice and pickle juice, and
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I, that that never really uh, picked up for me. But yeah, that, that that always drove me crazy. Like because as soon as because I was in my let's say I was thirty nine when I started. I'm in my fifties now. You know, so I st- you know also all through my forties I was doing this and I was trying different flavors and looking at you know I would. I I mean, I bought this little thing because it's got the cool rainbow colors. (laughs) I mean, and I'm 54. So this whole idea that, you know, and my liquid is a berry melon citrus. So, I mean, this whole idea that we don't like gadgets. I mean, have they ever gone to an Apple store? Have they ever, I mean... Who's buying most of this tech? It's the people who actually have some money, you know, who's yeah, buying well, the tech for their kids who want it. It's the people. I mean, who the U
2: S is a consumerist society. Like, of course we're going to want toys. That's how we were freaking raised. You yeah. It's
1: whole idea and, that we don't like this stuff, you know, that we're, that grown adults aren't going to like the flavors or the cool tech or whatever, never sat and watched a video of a guy with tweezers and blue Fish filter material. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, and it it adult, grown adults doing that, not teenagers.
2: <laughs> and it's important to point out, like some people in chat, like one person said, it makes me sad that you're saying were and was so hard to believe it could be over. That's not what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. It's just obviously we're going into like another chapter of how things could be. Maybe it reverts back to the old days more where we all have to talk more on ECF so we can help each other find out how to hey look there's this website and you know wherever and you know everybody go buy their stuff because they're shipping it, it maybe it gets to a point like that again where we have to help each other out more to get the things that we want so it doesn't mean like no one here is saying you're going to lose your vapes you know 100 you know yeah. but the times are changing clearly
0: yeah i i think you know and and to that to that point i i think There's a lot of value in having this conversation um, and, you know, having it out in the open. I, I think looking at this from the perspective of researchers, policymakers and the big companies that we can have some confidence are going to survive. I mean, even if this was just, you know, absolutely free market, this and that. You would still see that market consolidation over time. Yeah. You know, the, the different players are going to rise to the top, control certain regions of the country, or have you know be known for a particular product. And you know, there's tons of coffee houses all over the place. It, you know, Starbucks has not killed every single coffee house in the United States or the world, but they did. A of course,
1: here, so we're too small. You know,
0: but but they did have you know that effect in some places, and 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 certainly you know there's a Starbucks almost everywhere except for Kristenstown.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: you know, but, you know, because they, they I mean? have that, it's that, it's that brand consistency and awareness all over the place. And so, yes. you know, part of this is, is speaking to those companies that are going to be able to, to capture a lot of market share because of the regulations. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I would hope that, that the bigger companies take a page from the little vapor playbook which was to create a welcoming inclusive space for anybody who smokes to walk into find other people that are experiencing the same thing and, and have, have just be able to have a a, a normal adult level-headed conversation about switching away from smoking. Uh, I I think that, you know, that's the point here is that I, I want the, I want the regulators to see this. I want the researchers to get involved I mean, we need. We, there is some study. There is some research out there. Uh, I think it was. I think it's, it's a European study. Um, Kristen, you, you probably know this, where they've you know looked at people who shop in vape shops versus folks who went to convenience stores, and they found that you know people who went to vape shops they uh, they switched. They were more likely to switch completely. More likely to stay stay quit for you know longer uh, as compared to people who were shopping in convenience stores, we need more of that study. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, not we're again, I, I didn't want to do an obituary to the, to to the independent vapor side of things more of just, um, I I think really shining the light back onto where everything started. And, um, you know, there, there is a bit of that compare and contrast of, you know, small independent vapor shop versus the the big corporate chains that we're are at this point likely to see in the United States. Um,
1: and there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of shops. I mean, I don't know if Mark is still on the chat, but um, you know, he's a vape shop owner in Michigan, and he's not giving up. And we're hoping that that you guys don't. You know. Um, we can't tell you what to do. You can't, we can't tell you what's going to work. We can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but there are people. Not
2: legal advice.
1: Right. Nor there is are, it
2: business are, advice. Oh, <laughs> right. that microphone's not even working. I don't know. No, it's I just
1: <laughs> It still worked. <laughs> um, the effect worked. The effect was there. Um, yeah. They, so don't, so, but what we're just trying to say is that there was a value to that and this is what could be lost. If everybody just starts giving up, you know, we see you out there. We want to acknowledge you. We want you to realize that we appreciate what you do. I mean, the Kasaga got far more support from all the small businesses than they did any big companies over the years, um, especially in the early days. And we wouldn't still be here without you. We wouldn't be here without ECF. So we really do need you. You know, we want we want to see you succeed. We want to see you stick around, and we want we want the the powers that be to understand what they're taking away, especially when they're not, they're not solving the the supposed problem of youth vaping. And, and I mean, just the irony that, that the one thing that they want to see banned is the one thing that's probably going to get an approval, you know, <laughs> so that not approval, sorry. What's the term I'm looking for? Authorization. Authorization. Thank you. They both start with a, so it throws me off. Yeah. So, yeah, we we this is this is more of an ode to you, and it's more of a making a point that vape shops have a place in this market. They have they're they're a necessity. They, you know, how many people go? You you can't buy a jewel and then walk back into the quick trip or out of whatever corner gas station chain you have in your area and walk in there and say, hey, this stopped working. What can I do? You know, they're not going to be able to help you there. Well, you can buy another one. You know, that that's and then they, well, no, just give me a pack of marbles. You know, it, it's vape yeah. shops have a place and they need to be, they need to be there. And that's all we're kind of trying to point out is what else is at risk of being lost that we need to keep fighting if you're not doing those calls to actions, if you're not getting more people to join um CASA and other advocacy groups, and if you're not supporting your local vape shop. Cause they've been supporting you all these years. That's something to think about and something to think about. And I see the comments are going crazy. So I need to go see what yeah.
0: sorry, I took over. I dropped a little note there about recycling, which is another thing that some vape shops offer um, a, a very important element to all of this, especially as we move towards um, the single use products, as Logan likes to likes to say, um, that uh, you know, some vape shops will will happily take those and, and and help you with recycling. Not all of them. I know that there's a lot of barriers to um, just simply understanding where to recycle things. Depending, there's no uniform thing to point people to for recycling batteries. Uh, you kind of have to do your own yep. research mm-hmm. in your own town, uh, and even that's kind of difficult. But um, well, do that's know-
2: more where that's where education comes into play again too though like if a vape shop will tell will sell a disposable but you know and i say this because i do some disposable reviews i think disposables fit good use cases they're good for a newer vapor that just wants to dip their feet in the water and and see if they like vaping or not it's good for somebody that doesn't want to take their more expensive gear with them on a trip or like when when we go out of the lake i'll use a disposable sometimes so they're not all good or all bad but Like if a vape shop that sells disposables will try to migrate somebody or or at least say, hey, these are your options. You can use a refillable product and and save money. There's less waste. But if all we're all we're left with is smoke shops and uh, and uh, mini marks, they're just going to have these on the counter and never give people any direction at all.
1: Yeah, I always thought it was a shame that that vape shops didn't sell those things. I mean, they should sell the the gamut. They Do
2: more and more now. They
1: do now, yeah. But for, in yeah. the beginning, they wouldn't, and they're like, "I'm not going to sell that crap." It's like that helped a lot of people, and that might get them started. I mean, that's how I got my seventy year old aunt to finally do it. Is I would we were at a Walmart, and there was a uh, Enjoy Kings, which were the ones that kind of were soft and squishy, feeling like a cigarette, and. I said you know those are supposed to be really cigarette like and she's just like okay throw it on there and she bought it and then she's like, Well, it's too bad you can't recharge it. So it's like, Oh, I think I got her. <laughs> then yeah, we got a rechargeable version. And then that's, that's, then after that, not even a month after that, she walked into that vape shop and bought that mod. It's mattress. a good
2: stepping stone product. She never for sure. smoked again. If, you know, somebody doesn't want to make a big investment right away on a right. refillable kit, you know, you spend 10 bucks or which, depending on what disposable it is, and they can at least get their feet wet and decide if they like it.
1: I'm just going to answer Jim's question. Um, we we have seen it, and if you look at our blog, it's actually in our this week's blog. We have the video uh, from the Forbes Steve, and we also have we're Amanda video. Wheeler's great video too, which we were going to talk about with this in this sort of segment.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I kind of glossed over because as we, we were talking about it before, I I I was I was watching GTNF live when she spoke, um, and uh, and and of course you jumped in with everybody else giving giving. Uh, Well-deserved props on Twitter and and social media. Uh, It is an excellent speech. She did a wonderful job. Um, I'm not going to rehash it or even quote it here other than to say regulatory arson um, is what we're all experiencing. Um, But for sure, anybody who hasn't seen it, it's being shared around. Um, just look look up Amanda Wheeler on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll find a, a link. You don't there.
1: even have to do that; it's on our website.
0: Oh, yeah, you can just go to
1: our blog. <laughs> yeah, go go to here. I'll show, wait, Where is it? Sorry, I'm um. horrible
0: at this job.
1: <laughs> um, wait, let me pull this up. I will show you guys right here on our blog. Wait, let me get rid of yeah, this. She got
0: the she got the cover photo.
1: Yes, yeah, we gave her the cover photo, and um, if you just well, to get there, basically you go to KASAA.org. Danielle, who's in the chat, beautiful website. We're always talking up your website, Danielle. So you click blog. And then if you just scroll down, you'll see all of our past issues, but she's right there on the top. Click on that. And then just scroll down and you'll see both uh, Danielle's new thing. all this, A lot of the stories we talked about today Um, And then down here, I swear to God, I there's a Steve Forbes one right there. That was a really good one. That's one that kind of gets you to stand up and cheer. Um, And then there's Amanda's right there. So you can play it right from within our blog. So uh, you don't have to go digging around trying to find it.
0: So yeah, anybody who hasn't seen it, Amanda Wheeler is an excellent communicator and uh, very, very as active as one can possibly be in this whole space. And 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 her her keynote speech at GTNF is very highly recommended. Um, I mean, yeah, and and the other you know the context for that that's something else we were talking about before the show. And we will be wrapping this up. We're coming up on two hours, yes. um, but the the context there and, and a lot of the value. Um, of of her speaking at this event is it is attended by people from incumbent tobacco companies all over the world. There's a lot of vapor people. There's some researchers, there's some policy people that are there. Uh, But that really was an opportunity for Amanda to stand up on behalf of both, you know, consumers and small businesses in the vapor space and speak truth to power. Uh, That room is filled with lots of money and lots of power on the incumbent tobacco side of things. And I know that, you know, folks that work in these companies are aware of all of this stuff. And and yeah, at the end of the day, being accountable to shareholders and all of that means that you've kind of got to go where the money is, uh, even if that means crushing your competition. But but as these companies are putting the focus back on, I, I think, repairing their brand image and also taking this opportunity to do some good in the world and clean up the mess that some of them made. Uh, it is absolutely important that people like Amanda Wheeler are given the platform to speak. Uh, and, and she did an absolutely excellent job of doing that. So thank you, Amanda. And thank you anyone for, for going out to watch that. Um, and with, with all that having been said, yeah, um, do we have any closing thoughts from around the panel? Do you think we covered everything? Did we I,
2: I gave the only decent thoughts I have already. <laughs> we, we tapped Matt out for his thoughts today. Yeah, I mean, I'm just drained. I don't know what else to say. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, Amanda's. it's just one of those things where you just want to stand up and cheer. And she really did it right. You know, I, you see a lot of advocates coming out there just screaming about conspiracies and big tobacco and and it's this guy's fault. Is that, and she really fielded those questions really nice. She was very diplomatic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Stick around Uh, for the Q and A.
1: Yeah. The Q and A. She didn't throw anyone under the bus. Uh, she, but she kind of made her point of her, her feelings known about the guy from the FDA who was speaking. Um, I would have loved to have been at the after thing when she said, talk to me after about that. Um, but yeah, she just, and, and she just has done so much. She's just been tireless. And I think that's pretty much what I wrote in the, in the tweet about her. And, uh, uh, yeah, we just everything that she's done, and, and she's a good example, you know, to to advocates
2: too. So, um, she's one of those that's a good example of what I was saying earlier about reading the room because yeah, I, I've seen her talk to Democrats and Republicans, and she's very good at fitting in with both. You know, she can go uh, you know schmooze up to uh, a Lauren Bieber crazy. Sorry. <laughs> but then also uh, schmooze up to a Democrat and speak their language. She's really good at at, uh, at reading the room and, and uh, giving effective arguments. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. I'm well, gonna,
1: I'm going to throw the blog link into the thing for people who may need to see it so all right well on, on the
0: uh on the the warm fuzzy love fest there um i figure that's probably a good spot to end it so um i'm going to try to do logan's spiel here at the end <laughs> um thank you everyone in the chat thank you everyone who's uh watching at home and especially thank you to the folks who are watching in vape shops all across the country i know mark usually has these on thank you mark for for poking your head up in chat um and uh, you can catch this. You can catch the replay on all the places where you get all the podcasts. Um, we usually just limit it to the legislative rundown. Um, but, uh, of course, this is also available here on, on our YouTube channel. Um, I know I'm going to screw this up. I, 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 I just take it for granted that Logan's always going to be here. So I haven't quite memorized his, <laughs> uh, his, his, his speech at the end here. Um, the Time zones. You know, we're on four thirty Eastern, one thirty Pacific. Everything in the middle, you have to do your own math. Three thirty
1: um, Wisconsin in that area.
0: I feel like we we have somebody from the Mountain Time Zone here. I feel like we're leaving yet. So it's two yeah. thirty Mountain Time. Yep, we got that.
2: Don't forget 3:30. about the best place in the country.
0: Two two Mount, thirty
2: Mountain Time Zone.
0: Mountain Time Zone. It's if you live in the best place in the country, Casaw Live is on two thirty where you live in the afternoon, on Saturdays. Um, be sure to follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Kassah Media, um, and, uh, and join your state groups. Join your Kassah state groups. Uh, we have a, a dedicated group of volunteers who keep those updated, monitor them, keep out, keep out the ruffians and the spammers uh, and make sure that the you know relevant calls to action, which are going to be pretty light, state-specific for the rest of the year here, Um, but a good, good thing to promote that and get involved now because we expect, uh, the wave of legislation against synthetic nicotine, continuing flavor bans at the state and local level to, to bring us into 2023 and beyond lots of people out there trying to go around FDA's authority here. Um, even though FDA is pretty well screwing this job up, um, I think I got all the things like, and share.
1: Yes, please share this video. Um, uh, like it, share it, uh get sign up for notifications, and uh be sure to what? What do you subscribe? Playing? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just this doing the I'm doing yeah, the animations
0: subscribe. Go along with what you're saying. So <laughs> I, I,
1: kinda, subscribe. I click the subscribe and, um, don't you know, yeah you said about follow us on Twitter and join your Facebook group, but make sure you join Cassak. You know, a yes. lot of people say, think that they're part of CASA because they follow us on Facebook or Twitter or they come watch this. But you need to go to the actual website and join CASA. Add your name to these numbers. The more numbers we have, the more we can impress people saying, hey, we represent this many people. And that gives opens more doors. So we need you to officially join. Get your family to join. And it doesn't matter if they vape or not. Because um, it's yeah, all it's about. Free. Yeah, it's absolutely free. We do not spam you. Uh, I'll be, you know, sometimes you might get a thank you email. But mostly it's about um calls to actions and stuff like that you know if you uh, please donate we you know we can't do this without you we're, we're very much grassroots on, an, on a shoestring budget so if you can spare a couple bucks a month you can sign up to just a couple months of bucks a month maybe uh you yeah, can if you do don't that. have a
2: Starbucks in your town like Kristen then you're <laughs> saving all that coffee money and that can be a nice donation to Kaab every month
1: yeah that's great yeah you know because and, and if you remember that right. Alex and I are the only employees uh People like Matt and Danielle and Julie and Jim and everybody else—they they do all this as volunteers. Uh, they're putting in their time and their talent. Um, so whatever you can do to help us out, like I said, we're just—we're very—we're—we're we're very grassroots. Some people think we're bigger than we are. Like, why aren't you hiring lobbyists and taking out multi-million-dollar ads? It's like. Um, we're just trying to keep lights on. So (laughs) if you could just so you understand that, but, and please come back, invite your friends. If you own a vape shop, we love that, uh, that Mark puts us up on his vape shop while he's in there and he says his customers love it. So, um, yeah, that'd be great if you could do that too, but, uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Well, I might not see you next week. I'm, I've got something I'm doing next week. So I'll
0: start the rumor where we may, we may approach Jim McDonald to see if he wants to come on next week in your absence. So, and special thanks to Matt for coming on. And this was short notice. Thanks yeah. for spending part of your Saturday with us and, and all the insights and talent and stuff you bring, not just to this program, but to Kassah. Thank you.
2: Thanks, thanks for having me. Always happy to fill in when, uh, always happy to fill in when, when Logan leaves you high on drag. <laughs>
1: That's great. All right, you guys. Um, I think that's all the thanks. And again, thanks, Matt. And come by next week. You never know what you're going to see. All right. All right. Have a good night. Bye.